John Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm, back with the longest running real estate podcast, Million Dollar Agent. How are you, gentlemen? The only running real estate podcast in Australia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey. The uh, only running. But anyway, that's good. We'll take it while we've got it. Yeah, so uh, back. Uh, Until was, someone that knows what they're doing starts one, then we'll, uh, be, well, then we'll be along we, number we got, two. John, we got first move advantage. Well, who's the guy at the Olympic Games that won that medal? Bradbury. Steve Bradbury. Bradbury. Okay, this is a Bradbury of podcasts. <laughs> like, we'll take it while it lasts. Now, uh, Troy made a comment. I wasn't on the podcast last week, and he made a comment there. There, which I'm not going to take it too seriously. He said that it was one of the highest rating podcasts. Just for the record, I did listen to the first three or four minutes. I thought you did the job. I thought you picked up two points. I, w- I wouldn't call it a convincing, a convincing not performance. A convincing but uh, we're back with the normal. Hey, isn't flow. it a good time though? I mean, nearly everyone I'm talking to, you and I, Tom. One of our the great joys of our jobs is that we get to go around and meet agents in other yeah. places. Yeah. Through News Limited and McGrath and REA and all the sort of companies that we have affiliates with and. It seems now, uh, a few things are happening. One is, you know, most markets, anyone that's really switched on, who's on track, who's doing what they should be doing, is, is achieving pretty good to extraordinary figures. So every market, I know Perth's been a bit soft, but pretty much every market in Australia, the good agents are really doing well. Two is we're seeing this emergence of really dynamic young talent. And that's one of the things that excites me about the real estate market right now is we're seeing people that have got marketing degrees, that are, that are sort of coming out of hospitality and, and service industries and are seeing real estate as a really viable business. And the way it's structured nowadays, you actually don't have to have the pressure and stress of opening your own office yeah. to earn a fortune. Mm. I mean, as we know, we've spoken on this podcast for a long time. It's, the, it's an industry where you can have a business inside a business. And Ben Colley's an example and yeah. James Tostman's an example and Phil Harris and so on and so forth. So many great agents that have built little mini dynamic teams around them. And of course, those dynamic teams end up often becoming, you know, the next growth of agents, the next evolution, and so forth. So, uh, it's very exciting times for real estate. I don't yeah. care what the market does. I just think real estate, technology, the digital environment, you know, marketing, the marketplace we're in is really an exciting time. But John, and why wouldn't it be when you actually have a look at median salaries around the country in various industries? So, what we're seeing is the opportunity for someone that's young, a young guy or girl that's laser focused, that wants to create an incredible experience for the customers, immerse themselves in the community, yep. and after that, they do it for a couple of years, they do it really well, They're, they've got group certificates that are showing $500,000 a year. Now, you can sit on seek.com, you can talk to recruiters, there simply isn't that many executive roles, no longer, that exist in the world that pay half a million dollars to people. Certainly that give you the opportunity to do the exciting stuff that we do. I mean. Seriously, we get to go and look after people's most valuable asset and help them realise their dreams and first home buyers get into their first... I remember, you know, when I started selling when I was probably dealing with more first home buyers at that five-year period of my life than any other. Um, I don't think there was a more exciting time than when I made a phone call or dropped in to see someone and tell them. They just exchanged on their first property. It was kind of like... You know, because at that stage, some of them hadn't had kids and even got married, so this was kind of the biggest event in their life. And it was very, very exciting. So, and the fact that we get to enjoy a two to three percent fee out of that is, is just a bonus. Okay, Johnny. Today we're going to talk about the sales meeting. Some people call it the dreaded sales meeting. Other people call it um, the you know accountability sales meeting. Can be the best or worst hour of the week. Yeah, depending yeah. how you do it, right? Yeah, and I think most people listening to our podcast are involved in a sales meeting. They're either running it or they're attending a sales meeting. And uh, I want to ask you. 
as someone that would have sat through hundreds, probably thousands, thousands. the do's and don'ts and how to get the most out of a sales meeting. How do you get the most out of that hour? Should it be an hour? Well, first question is, should you have sales meetings? I think the answer is you should, because real estate, when it's done as most effectively as it can be, is a team sport. <clears throat> and I don't think people can work in silos anywhere near as effectively as a group group energy, group think, group collaboration, um, team support. So I think the answer is, uh, if you have the ability, which you do, to run a great sales meeting, you should do it every week. I think weekly is the right cycle in this industry. You've got auctions, you've got opens, you've got things yeah. coming. So how, how do you do it? Let's talk about the do's and the don'ts. Well, first of all, you've got to work out the environment. What time and what place do you hold it at? So most people probably will hold it in their office, which is you just need a place where it's undistracted, where you've got access to slides, pro, uh, flip charts, whatever you need. You, but you need the environment there where there's no distractions. Um, and you need to hold it at a time that works well for your team. Interesting. Some of our offices have shifted. As a lot more working mums are coming into or back into real estate, some of our 8 o'clock meetings are, used to be 8 till 9, which now is often drop-off, not just for mums, but for dads as well, yeah. um, drop-off time. So a lot of our offices have now shifted the meetings to kind of 9.30 or 10 a.m. So you've got to be sensitive to your working environment and you've got to support the people in your environment to make sure they can run their lives as well as their business. I think about an hour is about the right time frame, Tom. John, on that point here, I want to ask you, how important is it for an employer now in real estate to provide a, a flexible workplace? It's the future. It's the future. I mean, you need to have a culture. You need to have a mindset. You need to have facilities that support diversity and gender balance and working mums and dads and all of those things. If you don't, your business won't survive because people will flock to businesses that are thinking about people that have to look after their kids, drop them off and then get to work. So they provide the ability for their software to go online and use on mobile devices and have sales meetings at a time that suits working mums and dads and so forth. I think it's, it's, it's critical. And, you know, the, the whole diversification thing, whether it's ethnicity, whether it's age, whether it's gender, whatever it is, you know, people nowadays have got to be very um, tuned in and sensitive to that and supportive. Okay, so, so John, you're saying is make sure that your uh, sales meeting um, takes into account uh, the demographic and kind of people that work in that business, so it's an attractive meeting to attend and it fits in with people's life. That's right, that's okay. right, supportive. So I think about an hour, let's call it an hour to 90 minutes, because I think any longer than that it starts sort of being hard to keep the energy moving forward. So first thing is it's got to start on time. So, you know, I was kind of a bit famous, and Troy, I remember, remember these <laughs> days when I was running the meetings, um, that at a minute past eight, we, in the old days, we used to start at, we used to do eight till nine Monday mornings. At a minute past eight, the door was closed. Well, the door was closed at eight, and at a minute past, you weren't let in. Why do I do that? Not, not because I want to be a dictator, but because I thought people had to be respectful of each other's time. Every time someone walked in at three past eight and five past eight, it was distracting to everyone else, and they missed stuff. And I know that running late is a habit. People tell, oh, the lights and the traffic, and it's just a habit, because the same people run late every meeting for everything, every reason. So I, I really was saying to them, you know, if this is an important meeting, you need to get here on time. And on time is not eight o'clock, it's quarter to eight. So you're arriving and you're walking in mentally and, and ready. So I think the first thing is you've got to start on time and you've got to finish on time. If you're making a commitment to be done by nine or 10, you need to, so people can then plan their meetings and appointments, whatever happens next. I think, um, the, after that, what's important is the, the energy and the agenda. So 
you need an agenda to keep you on track. And I'll talk through some of the things that were key to my agenda. But yeah, you've got to have a roadmap for each meeting. Otherwise, it ends up being a talk fest. Agenda is sent out prior to meeting? or No, ours was the same yeah. every time. But we yeah. did expect them to bring certain things, which I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. So the agenda, you know, okay, first thing, guys, we're going to go through, you know, the results from the weekend, for example. And, you know, it's got to be good energy. So whoever's running the meeting, and it may be a sales manager, it might be a principal, it might be, who knows, could be a general manager. You know, you've got to keep the energy up because, you know, the group's either going to get a good energy going forward or if you miss it and you don't engage them, you know, it's going to be a tough hour. So that's really critical. Um, some of the key agenda items that I had, Tom, you know, one was certainly, I used to say to everyone, you had to bring your top 10 buyers and your top 10 pipeline listings or potential listings. And I got everyone went, now admittedly this was when we were quite, obviously quite a bit smaller, so yeah, we might have had those days six or eight salespeople in the room. I'd say, okay, Tom, who are your hottest 10 buyers you're working with? And you would not only tell me, but you'd go through them. Well, I'm working with Troy Malcolm. Troy's looking for a two-bedroom unit down at Woolloomooloo. Um, you know, he's got 650000 700000 to spend. He's missed out on two auctions last week. And you give a little summary. So what happened then is, is you were planting a seed in that whole room with people. So, you know, John's working, or Tom's working with a buyer. He's got this much. And then often someone would say, well, hang on a sec. I've actually just looked at a house like that two nights ago. If, he's, if he can stretch to 725, my vendor's ready to sell without going to auction. So there was this incredible cross-pollination. Yeah. And all of a sudden, people were having these conversations, and there was this excitement. And someone would say, look, let's take it offline, but I, he's back in Sydney tomorrow. Let's get him through it. So sales were starting to happen in the middle of the meeting. Next thing was, say, top 10 buyers. Next thing was top 10 pipeline listings. Same reason, in reverse, um, a, a couple of things. Number one is sometimes there's two agents that end up dealing with the same vendor. And someone will say, well, John and Mary Smith, and then Troy will say, well, hang on, I've actually, I met with them two weeks ago, and I've also been through. Let's have a, let's compare our notes and work out, are we best to do this together, or is there any reason they didn't call you back yeah. in, Troy, and they called me in? Yeah. So it, it stopped, in the early days, it stopped some of the potential for a bit of friction in the yeah. office. And most of our guys, if they said, well, you know, what should we do? I'd just say, well, just do it together. Ring up ring up and say, hey, Tom, I know you've spoken to a couple in our office. We've just kind of compared notes. We'd love to come and do a joint proposal to you because two's better than one, isn't it? And, and so you get this really great group energy. Okay, that's, John, that's gold. So the first thing you're saying is a buyer-seller cross-match yeah. and creation of in sales real yeah. in real time, um, potentially prior to properties even coming on the market and being able to add value to clients. That's exactly the reverse, Tom. So now, you, you know, so you've done your hot buyers and then yeah. someone says, I looked at a property. Here's your listings, and someone says, well, I've got Mr. and Mrs. Jones. They're flying in from the UK in two days' time. That sounds like exactly what they want. Can we get a contract, and we can get them through, and what would they sell for prior to an auction? And then, you know, all this was happening. So it created amazing bond within a sales team and trust, and everyone's being very open because, as you will know, Tom, as you go around most offices, people keep all their best stuff in the bottom drawer. Mm. They don't tell you about their best buyers, they don't tell yeah. you about their best sellers, which is craziness to me. It's just insane. Yeah. Uh, and it's not a nice environment to work in. It's toxic. So this, this really raised everything to the surface. Everyone was open and honest, and it was a really great environment. And I would say that we probably created two or three deals during the meeting on stuff that happened then the week or so afterwards was doing that. So that was two. Then we'd go through um, the results from last weekend. Not only did I go through what sold, and, uh, and most of our agents went to each other's auctions. So they already had a pretty good idea, but I went through every single one. So I said, who was the buyer? Mr. and Mrs. Panos, great. Have they got something to sell? No, they're renting at the moment. Okay, or is anything else we can do for them? Who was the underbidder? 
oh, okay, that was the, the Smiths, great, tell me about the Smiths, what are they looking to, you know, they were the underbidder, have they got more to spend, what's their position? So I, I'd really, it was, for me, it was it had to be granular, it has to be, it can't just be, okay, we sold seven out of ten on the weekend, um, you know, the market's pretty good, all this sort of motherhood stuff. It's got to be, you've got so, to so dig John, in. 90% of the, our audience have got offices where they're working where there's between three and ten salespeople. That's pretty much the yep. norm. Uh, Edgecliff doesn't typify. What, different, you know, yep. um, so the strategies that you're talking about right here are very executable today in marketplaces of offices around the country. And if your office is bigger, which Edgecliff is, we break it down into villages. So we might have 40 agents downstairs, but we might have five village meetings. So again, we try and combine agents that have geographically some synergy between their areas. So we'll get Beachside and Parkside together, and you've got Harbourside separate, then you've got inner, inner City and Inner West together sort of things. So we try and group like-minded people into villages, so it breaks it down. Because if I'm doing Watson's Bay, um, and someone else is talking about a sale they just made in Botany, it's kind of not a lot of information yeah. that's relevant. You're, got, you're, you're saying the meeting, you should go down to the detail it should not be vague and top level. You're saying go get into the detail of... Number one criticism I have of principals and sales managers, they don't go anywhere near close enough to the detail. Right. I spent my whole day ringing up agents saying, hey, Tom, that listing that you told me at the meeting that you were going to go back and see today, Wednesday, how'd you go? Because I would make mental notes, I'd make physical notes, and I'm checking in with them every single day, and they'll say, oh, well, look, you know, I went back, I didn't quite get it listed. Okay, what's the barrier? What can we do? Can I help you? Can I ring them up? What can I do? Yeah. So really important. So I went through the results and importantly went through the underbidders, not just the underbidder, but who else was there? There were three underbidders. Where are we at? What have we got to show them? So you've got this incredible information exchange, which is great. People walk out of the meeting um, with things to do, actions, uh, activities, buyers they know about information, it's really exciting, and then they walk out. Now, then we used to go and do, at the end of it, we'd finish on time, then we'd go and do what they used to call a caravan or an ins you know, inspection of all our listings. And as the offices got bigger, obviously, they had to be broken down into villages too. But I think it's crazy that every agent in every office doesn't see each other's listings, as long as it's relevant. I, I could think of nothing more unprofessional that I turn up at an open on a Saturday and I say, so, Tom, that property you guys have got down the road, what, what's it like? And you say, I don't know, I haven't seen it. Yeah. For me, that's the ultimate unprofessional. So you've got to know this information. So we always used to spend about an hour in the sales meeting and then about an hour and a half to two hours looking at new listings. Yeah, We had someone coordinate all of that. So a three-hour block of time was an incredible information exchange. Physical inspections, verbal updates, teamwork energy, and it really worked well. I could well. actually, John, see that... Uh the feedback that you'd be able to give to vendors after you've taken your whole team to look at that property, that's invaluable alone. Uh, well, it's gold and, and it really allowed you to call the vendor back or you call them back and, and they say, what did they think? You say, look, you know, fantastic, great response. You know, a couple of people felt, you know, we spoke eight, eight to 850, a couple of people thought, we, you know, we might have been a little bit high on that. Uh, I don't know if they are right or not, but you know that was it. Or a few people already said they got some buyers they want to line up, so they're going to try and get them through on the weekend with me. It, it, it just opens up another channel of communication. Is, um, John, is is training something that was put in the meetings, or are they? Yeah, yeah. good point. Um, we Matt, Matt LaHood and Con do this very well. Um, 
I would always slice in training, and I guess because I've done a lot of training myself, I would bring it in, and sometimes we'd bring in an outside person, sometimes we'd bring in one of our top agents to talk about a specialty area. We'd bring in a stylist or a supplier. So I think bringing in for 10 or 15 minutes, having a little spice of information, you know, how to style your property better, you know, someone that's got a 99% clearance rate at auction is going to speak for 15 minutes about, you know, how they run their auctions so they're so effective. Whatever those things are, I think, you know, bring them in on a regular basis. Okay. You've got to make it fun, though. I mean, I, I'm excited, Troy, about it because, you know, we, we love doing sales meetings. I don't run them anymore, but it was one of those things that I really loved. And I think if you do them right, there's something people look forward to. If you do them wrong, people find excuse after excuse not to make it. You agree? Agree. And I was going to say the other thing about getting that special guest of training, that 10 to 15 minutes max, you can also go to things like YouTube. Um, there's a whole heap of agents that are doing phenomenal work. They're yeah. putting their stuff live and free on YouTube. So if you don't have access to great people in your office specifically, you can bring in people from outside and, and kind of do takeaways and notes from those YouTube clips. Yeah. And that's what I know some of our guys are doing as well. Do you have videos, Tom, on your site? Yes, um, I certainly do. And um, as we finish off... Be, are they free? Um, so I've, I have a three, four-minute version that's free. And then I've got my realestategym.com.au uh, version, which is $10 a week, which yeah, is a longer one, and it actually goes in and says, this is how to execute what their agent is doing. Yeah. So if someone, and, and um, I know you, you're not looking for a free plug, but you know, just as an example, there's a resource that you can spend $10 a week, play, and we used to do that, Troy, mm -hmm. a lot, as you remember, videos, um, before DVDs, Tom, this is going way back, <laughs> but you know, play video, and, play, and then debrief it. So yeah. you know, so one of your videos, play it for 15 minutes, and then say, okay, guys, what did you learn from that? Do you agree with it or disagree? What, what can we take away? What should we shift in what we're doing? So I think, you know, you're right, Troy. Videos, either live or videotaped or DVD or what, online nowadays, is a great way to educate people. So the energy is really, really key. It's got to be, it's got to be run. You've got to prepare for it too. A lot of people don't. A lot of principals just turn up. You've got to prepare for it. You've got to have, you know, if you're going to have a caravan tour with all the agents, you've got to have the keys right, the order right, the timing right. It's all got to be done. Johnny, well. your view on... Um, having breakfast beforehand is that something um, that I know some officers do they say oh well uh, they have breakfast before or what do you think we didn't do that we supplied them coffees we've always had a cafe either in our building or near our building so we used to get we you knew their coffee orders and then we had the coffees waiting for them at eight o'clock yeah um, I think that's okay look if you're having seven o'clock or seven thirty meetings you probably do need to provide people something to eat but I think if you're having eight or nine or ten o'clock meetings you know they, people can get there after they've had breakfast but I think it's nice to have a, a, their favourite coffee on the ready. It's kind of a nice thing to start the meeting with. Okay, gold. Uh, guys, girls, thank you so much. Uh, Susan, that works with me, did tell me to mention that um, we'd close real estate gym, but there was a heap of people on school holidays and they came back and they tried to sign up, so we've opened that up till the end of August. Realestategym.com.au. Is that the videos or the, or the live? That's they sessions. get uh, a weekly video, weekly scripts and dialogues, and that, what I get, John, what I give them is I get the agent that's been interviewed to give me all the forms, letters, and templates that agent is using. Perfect. So imagine at the end of the year you've got 52 sets of agents systems yeah. um, at $10 a week. That's enough for the plug. Gang, um, I look forward to seeing you both next week. It's good to be back. I'll be very <laughs> interested to see what the rankings this week are. I want to see if there's a spike, um, like the Greek economy will have soon. Um, see you later. Um, thanks, thanks, guys. See you later.